Hey guys, we are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. If you're interested in getting more information about Journey Church, we have a messaging service where you can text the phrase, My Welcome to 94000. This will help you get to know a little bit more about Journey Church. Also, if you want updates texted to your phone about what's going on here at Journey Church, please text the phrase, My Journey to 94000. As we get ready for today's message, take a minute and share this video with someone. The small action of sharing this video on social media could be the start of life change for whoever sees it. Lately I've been really watching the nightly news. Don't seem to find the rhythm, just want to sing the blues. Feels like a song that never stops. Feels like it's never gonna. Gotta get that fire, fire back in my bones before my heart, heart turns Good morning. Everybody doing well? All right. Woohoo. I like it. I like it. I like it. Hey, listen, we're in a series called Choose Joy, and hopefully, prayerfully, we have done that this past week and over the last few weeks. You guys have been making that decision to choose joy in spite of everything that seems to be going on around us, the negativity that we can often hear. 2020 has just been one of those years where it's easy to kind of get focused on the negative, but in spite of what's going on around us, we choose joy, right? So that's a choice that we make. Well, welcome to you guys online. If you're following us, man, we're so glad you're part of the service. And uh, to, we're going to continue our series today. We're talking about choosing joy, but we're also talking about pressing on. And, t- and t- this year, like no other year, we've got we've to make that decision, man. I'm pressing on. I'm not going to let things deter me. I'm not going to let things get in the way. I'm going to stay focused, and I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to press on. And so that's what Paul is saying as we uh, kind of unpack the rest of Philippians. We're kind of finishing that up. Today and next week, but we're talking about pressing on. And Paul is being real clear. Last week, what we covered was he said, I want to know Christ. He said, man, I want to know Christ, and I want to know him in every possible way. So today, whenever he's talking about pressing on, you know, he's also saying, hey, listen, man, I have not attained all this, but I'm pressing on. I want to kind of finish this race. I want to do well. And so he said, I want to know Christ. And Philippians 3 covered this last week. He said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, and I want to suffer with him. He wanted to know everything about him, sharing his death. And then he says, so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection of the dead. So what Paul is saying, and he's looking back at last week, what we covered last week, he said, listen, man, I, I want to know everything about Christ. And there were some people last week who put their faith in Christ. There was a couple people in this service that raised their hands and said, man, I, I just accepted Christ. So they know him personally now. Now the thing is, is to mature in him, to grow up and to develop and become a faithful follower of Christ. And so oftentimes what we do is we go through life and we don't, we don't mature. And that's one of the things Paul's talking about today. You know, hey, listen, there needs to be a change. There needs to be a radical change that takes place in us. And that, that becomes evident in our lifestyle, how we live, how we walk, how we treat people. 
And there's this change that comes only because of what Christ has done. And so here in Philippians, we, we see that, you know, he said, hey, listen, one way or another, I want to experience these things. And here's the first one. The mighty power of Christ. He, he said, you know, he, he said, hey, listen, I want to know the power of Christ. I want to know what it, what it feels like to be changed and transformed. I want to be able to see healing take place in my life. He saw Jesus, you know, he, he heard the stories about how Jesus healed. We talked about it last week. He spent time with Peter and the other guys, and he heard the stories of everything he had done. He's like, man, I want to know him, and I want to know that authority. He goes, I want to be able to walk through life with this authority, you know, that goes, you know what, I am no longer a slave to sin, but I'm walking in, in authority and power. Many of us as Christians, we don't have that power in our life. You know, we, we have a, a form, but, man, we don't have a powerful life. And people ought to be able to look at us and go, you know what, something different about them. There's something powerful at work in them. And it's not what they bring to the table. It's not about religion. You know, it's not about just being religious. Paul said that religion stuff, man, that's garbage. He said, man, but I want to know Christ. He said, all that stuff that I did to kind of be, you know, kind of set apart, that I wanted everybody to notice me, I memorized stuff, I, I did all the rituals, I was zealous, I was even persecuting the church. He goes, man, all that stuff is garbage. I want to know Christ, and I want to know him more and more. I want to know everything about him. He goes, I want to know the power. And what about it for us as Christians? What if we literally went into the Scriptures going, God, I want to know the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. I want to know that in my life. I want to be able to walk in authority. I want to be able to walk in truth. And I want to be able to walk with, with a power that I know, you know what, that no matter what pops up in front of me, you know what, God, you can handle this. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to cower down. I was watching a video earlier of a young lady, uh, one of our elders had shared it with me, of a young lady, uh, and I can't even remember what her name was. I think it was Rosa, Rosa Lee Parker. This little girl, her, her dad was, her were involved in an accident, and she ended up uh, getting into some trouble uh, with uh, her blood. She had staph infection. It kind of went all over. She coded a couple of times. They thought she was going to die, and they just said, you know what, man, we're believing, we're trusting in our Heavenly Father. And so God did an incredible work in this little girl. And, and so she ends up losing most of her limbs, and they show her beforehand because she had been a part of another thing where someone had blessed their family and then here she is, she's lost her limbs, she's a miracle, it showed the, you know, the nurses in there singing and, and just uh, having a good time with her, and how she survived, and, and the nurses are like, she's a miracle, she is a miracle. So she's it's showing her how she's learning how to write, and how she's putting her seatbelt on, and all these different things that we take for, take for granted. This little girl didn't quit. And I think about Apostle Paul said, you know what? Man, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay with it. I, 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 want to, I want to get to the point where I've got the power of God at work in me. And I'm walking as one who is walking in authority. And I'm walking under the, under the submitting to the authority of Christ. And I want everybody to know that. Here was the other one, the suffering. You might think that little girl, you know, she was suffering for Christ. Here's a little thing. They, and whenever they interviewed her, and said, hey, is there anything you would change or do different than before? And it took her about 15 seconds. And she goes, nope. She's good with where she's at. You know, and, and so Paul said, hey, man, if I have to suffer with Christ, man, I'm good with it. You know, think about this. Paul was beaten. He was flogged. He was lashed. He was in a shipwreck. He was snake bitten. I mean, he went through all kinds of tough times. And this is a man's man. I mean, Paul went through a lot of things. But he said, man, he said, if it, if it causes me to suffer, I suffer. He's writing to the church at Philippi. He said, man, he goes, I'm in chains, but I'm in chains for the gospel. I choose joy sitting in prison, writing you know, to, to this church. He goes, man, I choose joy. He said, man, I'm not letting anything hold me back. I'm not letting anything stop me. He goes, man, I want to know Christ. 
I want to know Christ. And here was the third thing. He wanted to know the suffering. He wanted to know the resurrection from the dead. He wanted to know what it was like to, 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 to live and to have an abundant life. You know, like I said last week, I love that statement, dead man walking. You know, that we were dead, we were dead to that sin. We're dead to that mentality. And we're resurrected to walk a new life and to be different and to live different and for people to see the difference and go, man, what changed you? How, how in the world did you go from living like this to living like you do now? How did, how did you find joy knowing everything that you went through? And, and so Paul is saying, hey guys, I want everybody to know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. And I, and I, hey, I hadn't got there yet. So he says, I'm pressing on. He goes, man, I'm pressing on. I'm, I'm moving towards that. I, I want all that I can get. I want to experience all of Christ. And so look at what it says here in Philippians. So I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. And he's pointing back to what we just covered last week. So he's referring back to that, saying, hey, you know what? I haven't reached it yet. I haven't attained it yet. I haven't achieved it yet. But I want you guys to know, man, I'm pressing on. Nothing's going to hold me back. I'm pressing on. He said, I haven't reached perfection. He said, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. What he's saying there, man, Jesus grabbed a hold of me. I had this encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, and Jesus got a hold of me. And, man, he is hanging on to me. And so he has, therefore, I want to do, I want to experience everything that he grabbed a hold of me for. If he wants me to preach the gospel, I want to preach it well. If he wants me to reach the Gentiles, I want to reach the Gentiles. Whatever he grabbed me for, I surrender and I want to experience everything that he wants me to experience. I want all of Jesus that I can get. That's what Paul is saying. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so what Paul is saying, he said, man, hey, listen, man, I want all that God has for me. He has taken hold of me. I want, I want to literally experience everything that he has in store for me. And I want to accomplish everything that he says, hey, hey Paul, this is your purpose. And so there's a couple of things here. The work of Christ for us is perfect. And understand that. What Jesus did is perfect. However, our spiritual growth or, or development is not perfect yet. So what Jesus did on the cross is perfect. I mean, he took care of all the, all the sins of the world. He, he is the perfect lamb. He is without blemish. He is without sin. He is without stain, right? And so we look and we say, you know what? Man, Jesus never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He lived in perfect harmony with the Father. His, work, his job was to do the work of the Father. So the work of Christ for us is perfect. So when we look at the cross and we look at the power of the resurrection and we look at the, the empty tomb, we go, you know what? Je- what Jesus did was perfect. But Paul is saying, however, our spiritual growth and our development is not perfect yet. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There'll be a day when we'll know all things. We'll be in the presence of God and we'll know all things. There'll be no more pain, no more tears. And so we will know Christ completely. But we're here learning how to love him. We're, we're kind of sojourners, if you will, passing through this world. So if our focus is on this world and our focus is on everything of this world rather than on Christ, we've missed what our focus should be. And so we're all a work in progress. I hope all of you guys understand that. There's nobody perfect. I'm a work in progress. Man, I hope I'm more like Christ today than I was a week ago. I hope I've learned something this week, a biblical truth that I can apply to my life. I hope there's some spiritual disciplines maybe that I've worked on this week, you know, that maybe I needed to work on those to become a little bit more like Jesus and to be a little bit more disciplined in my faith. And so we're all a work in progress. Nobody has, nobody's perfect. 
You know, and oftentimes we, maybe we get to the point where we start thinking that we've got it all together. You know, and we see scripture over and over say, hey, don't think too highly of yourself. Because what we do is we tend to look down on other people and like, boy, I just wish they were like me. I wish they were as good as I am. I wish they were as holy as I am. And what we become is we become judgmental, which becomes sinful. You know, there's one righteous judge. Now, we can judge the fruit in someone's life. We can look at someone's life. And if we see that, you know, there's, there's the fruit of the Spirit, we go, you know what? The Spirit of the living God is at work in them. But if we see the fruit of the flesh, we know that, you know what? They're living for the flesh. So we can see the fruit in someone's life, but too often what we do is we become focused on the wrong things. We're all a work in progress. And so let's talk about focus. Focusing on what is in the past often keeps us from what God has for us now. We have a tendency sometimes to focus on our past in, 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 in the wrong way. There, there's some of us in the room, we, we think if anybody in here knew all that I had done, in my past, they wouldn't want me in here. They wouldn't want me to be a part of what we're doing here. And they would never trust me to be in leadership. If everybody in here knew about my past, they probably wouldn't want me in a life group with them. They probably wouldn't want... So what we do is we tend to focus on that. And here's what Satan does. Satan goes, you know what? You need to think about what you've done. You need to think about how many ways you've blown it. You need to think about all the bad decisions you've made. That's his job. But when God says, hey, listen... What you, what you literally bring to me that we confess, that we literally, we confess to God, we repent of, and we literally uncover before Him, it says that He covers with His grace. God covers it with His grace. But Satan wants to say, hey, listen, you know what? Just remember all the things that you've done. He constantly reminds of our past. And what we have a tendency to do is instead of listening to the God of the universe, we listen to Satan who is the, the accuser. And we look at our past and we stay so focused on our past that we forget and we don't even realize what, what is happening in our life right now. And there's some of you that you constantly disqualify yourself because you focus on your past, what you've done, or what somebody else has done. Maybe your marriage can never seem to be what you want it to be because you're so focused on what your spouse did. Or maybe your spouse is so focused on what you did. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to focus on here and now. I want to focus on what you have for me. And so our focus has to be on Christ. If we're focused on our past, you know, we're, we're going to be... We're going to be we're going to be wrecking, man, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're driving down the road looking over your, over your shoulder, that's why a rear view mirror is so small and the windshield so big. We need to know what's behind us, but we don't live there, right? When our, our son was, was little, Hunter, he loved to uh, run looking back. He would run looking back. Did y'all's kids do that or was ours the only weird one? But, you know, our, our kids would do that. And so, so Hunter would take off running, and, and we had just gotten home from the hospital with Zach. I'm talking about like maybe 30 minutes or an hour. Uh, we just gotten home with him. And uh, anyway, so Hunter and our, our niece, they're outside playing in a sprinkler. And so Hunter's running, looking back, and he literally trips over a, a construction set and lay, you know, he ends up jumping up crying. And they're like, I'm a terrible dad. I'm like, oh, you're fine. Come on over here. And so he comes over and he gets up in my lap. And by the time I see his lip is laid open, I'm like, nope, he needs stitches. So I was like, all right, we need to go get him sewn up. And so we literally jump back in the car to go back to the hospital, to the emergency room, to get him uh, sewn up and uh and so his lips laid open and it's not it's not a good moment but he was running and we had told him hey whenever you're running somewhere look at where you're going my dog sadie does that sometimes i if i've got the bumper in my hand you know the thing that you throw for her to retrieve you know she'll she'll take off running looking back at me i'm like you might want to look where you're going and she's running into stuff you know you think they would learn right but uh but you know what we're the same way we get focused on the wrong things 
we need to focus on where we're going. We need to focus. Hey, if we're followers of Christ, we want to be like Jesus, then Jesus needs to be our focus, right? We focus on Christ, not our past. We don't live in our past. Now, there's some people that do. They always talk about how good they were, right? And what they used to do and, you know, and all these things that they used to be and used to do. And they're living there and they're not living in the moment. So focusing on our past will rob us of what's here and now. Here's another one. Focusing on our on what is in the past often keeps us from what God has for us in the future. You know, I think about relationships. You know, there are some of you that maybe you look back and you go, you know what, man, I, I've been in one bad relationship after another. And, uh, you know, and you, you keep looking back at that and you say, man, I'll never find anybody. You know, I'm always dating these losers. And, you, you know, you finally, maybe you realize, you know, you know what, hey, I'm the common, denominator, the common denominator. Maybe you're the loser, right? Maybe you need to work on some things. You know, I you, you go like, dang, Mike. But I'm just saying, hey, you need to work on you, right? You need to work on you. And you say, hey, what needs to change in me? I, I keep blaming it on all these past relationships, but I'm the common denominator. Maybe I ought to work on me. God, will you work on me? Well, God, will you change me? His answer is yes. I've been waiting for you to say, hey, come to me. Let me work on you. Let me show you some things. Let me heal you. And a lot of times, you know, what's in our past are wounds. And those wounds need healing. And sometimes those wounds, have you ever had a splinter? I mean, a splinter doesn't seem like much unless it's a really big splinter. But you can get a little bit of sticker in your hand. Like, you know, a briar gets you and it gets under there. And, man, all of a sudden it can get really sore. And until you get that out of there, it's not going to heal. For some of us in here, maybe you've got something in your life that's keeping you from healing. You've got to say, you know what, God, I need you to remove that. God, I need you to open that up so it can heal. And, and so whenever we, we look back, we can't stay so focused on our past that we don't, you know, enjoy what God has in our future. We've got to be able to look to the future and say, you know what, God is going to heal me. God's going to change me. And I'm believing and I'm trusting that God's going to bring the right person in my life. But here's the thing, I've got to be the right person for the right somebody. And so we've got to be able to look into the future and say, God, I know that you've got somebody for me, but I want to be the right person for them. And so we've got to be willing to change that. So look at this next one here. My focus determines my direction. My focus determines my direction. Now, there's often times that we're driving down the road, and I'm a a hunter. I I love to hunt. Yesterday was opening day of deer season. It was kind of a big deal. You know, uh, one of our staff members, I took his son, and his son got his first deer. That was kind of fun. It was fun to watch them get all excited. And uh, so driving down the road my whole life, you know, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, man, look at that deer out there, you know. And so I'm, I'm looking at that deer. And Laura's like, get your hand out of my face, you know. And she's slapping it out of the way. And, and, she, and, and so I'm, I want you to see that deer, you know. And so all these years, you know, wherever I see, I kind of drive that way. Kind of get off, you know, I'll get off the side of the road. And like Laurie said for years, you know, you're going to kill us looking for deer on the side of the road or turkeys or whatever. And uh, And so anyway, so... I have a tendency, wherever my eyes go, that's where the car wants to go. Do y'all do that? You know, and, and that's the thing. That's the way it is in life. If my focus is on Jesus, man, I'm going towards Jesus. But if my focus is on things, if my focus is on the world, then I'm going to move in that direction. And so my focus determines my direction. And so for a lot of us in this room, maybe you're starting to think, hey, you know, we've got to think about retirement. That's the American thing. That's the American dream. You know, I want to be able to retire at 65, or hey, if you can, you want to retire earlier than that, or hey, man, I'm going to have to work till I'm 75, whatever. But the thing is, is you start focusing on that, you start saving, maybe doing extra, doing all these things that you can do to reach that goal, and reaching a goal is a good thing. But we need some spiritual goals. And say, man, God, help me to stay focused on the goal that you've given me. That's what Paul's saying, right? Paul's saying, man, I'm pressing on. 
He, he said, man, I'm pressing on. And, and I'm going to keep my focus on Christ. I want to know Him. I want to know the power of Christ. I want to know the suffering of Christ. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know Christ. He said, man, I am pressing on. And I'm just saying that's what He's saying to you and I. We need to be saying, you know, God, that's, that needs to be my plea. God, I, I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. Now, I want to become more and more like Christ. And the more that we focus on Jesus, the more that we begin to experience that. Look at what Jesus says in Luke here. And this is Jesus talking. And these are some people literally, you know, saying, hey, they want to follow Christ. And, and Paul is, let, he's speaking to the church, right? He's speaking to the church at Philippi. He's wrote this letter in chains. He's writing them. He goes, hey, guys, listen, press on. Stay focused. Move in the right direction. Forget some of the junk that's behind you. But stay focused on Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying here to these folks, he's, he's, he's saying, hey, listen, come follow me. And, and we do that every week. We give the invitation. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. What Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you want to follow me? If you're focused on this world, I'm just letting you know, I don't have a house. I don't even have a bed. So if you really want to follow me, you got to understand there may be sacrifice involved. There may be something that you have to give up. It's not about comfort, and it's not about the American dream. And so he's saying that, that same thing to us. Hey, if you're going to follow me, it costs you everything. And I think, I think a lot of times what we want to do is we just want to say, hey, listen, Jesus, i got a pretty good life. I just want to sprinkle a little Jesus on here, and I want to make sure that I'm getting everything and Jesus, I just want you to bless what I've already got. And I just want you to make sure that, you know, I don't get sick. And I want you to make sure that, you know, that everything goes my way and that nothing really goes against me. And so I just want to sprinkle a little Jesus on that. And that's what we're looking for sometimes here in America. And I'll be honest with you, even in the world. But we just want just enough Jesus to maybe get into heaven. But we don't really want to follow him. And so Jesus is making it clear. It may cost you everything. Look at the next one here. It says, he said to another person. Come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. That sounds like a reasonable request. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, you know what? If, if he said, hey, the funeral's tomorrow, let me go home and bury him, we would say, well, that's reasonable. Jesus, don't be unreasonable. But look at what Jesus said. He said, but Jesus told him, he said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And so that sounded like a reasonable request, but we don't know if that guy's dad, dad was about to die or if it was going to be five or ten years. And the guy said, hey, listen, I'll follow you, but let me go take care of my dad's funeral first. And sometimes that's the way we are. We go, you know what, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to be saved. I want to know where I'm going to spend eternity. But, you know, I really don't want to give up any of the things that I'm already doing. I kind of like doing this, and I like doing this, and I like doing this. I know the Bible teaches different, but... I really don't want to give that up yet, but I do want you to be a part of my life. And I do want to be saved, and I do want to go to heaven, but I don't want to give these things up. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. That sounds reasonable, right? But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to follow me, you got to love me to the point that, you know what, it's not about your family anymore. And that sounds harsh, and I know some of us in this room go, man, I can't imagine. But, you know, there, there are people in parts of the world today that if they choose to accept Christ, they literally are renounced by their family and oftentimes 
will be put to death by their family if they choose Jesus. Jesus says that dude, that woman, is fit for the kingdom. They're willing to literally lay down their life. They're willing to give up everything, even family, to follow Christ. Because their focus is on Him, not on traditions, not even on family, not even the world. He said, you know, it's, it's about following Jesus. So this next part Paul talked about, let's be mature. He said, let's be mature. Let's, let's, let's grow up. Let's, let's be spiritually mature. There are oftentimes, you know, some of you guys in this room may have given your life to Christ maybe back whenever you were 10, 12, maybe even younger than that. And so the question is, is have you matured? You know, maturity, we often think of someone who is responsible and, you know, carries himself well and thinks about things and they think through the, the details of things and, and they've learned to do th- not do things that they shouldn't do. Does that make sense? In other words, they've become responsible. They've become, become somebody that you feel like, you know what, you can trust because they're mature. So Paul is saying, hey, let's be mature. Look at what he says here in Philippians. He says, let all of us who are, are spiritually mature agree on these things. He said, hey, listen, let's all agree on this. If you're spiritually mature, you're going to get this. He said, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. What he's saying, hey, listen, if you don't get what we're talking about right here, he said, I believe God's going to make it clear to you. But I'm just telling you, if you don't get it right now, you're wrong. If you disagree with it, he said, hey, listen, just letting you know you're wrong. But whenever you spiritually mature and you grow up, you'll understand. It's kind of like what we tell our kids. Hey, one day when you got your own kids, you'll understand. Moms and dads, you ever say that to them? Like, hey, one day you'll see things differently. One day. And that's what Paul said. Hey, listen, when you grow up spiritually, you're going to see things a little bit different than the way you see them right now. But he says we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We've got to hold on to the progress we've already made. He said, hey, listen, you've got to hold on to what you've already gained. If Christians would just live up to what we already know, we know enough, right? We know enough to how to live. We know enough about how to honor God. We know enough about God's Word to be saved. But oftentimes we know enough, we just don't live up to what we already know. And so the question would be, how do we hold on to what we've already gained? How do we, how do we hold on to the progress we've made? You know, so that it's kind of like, you know, you, you've made progress. Maybe somebody in here, you put your faith in Christ. That's a, that's a good thing. All right, so you surround yourself with some other people, right? Hopefully you have. What, let me kind of give you, we cover next steps all the time here at Journey. We, uh, we ask you, number one, to put your faith in Christ. We share the gospel. We give, it, give you that opportunity. If you choose to receive Christ, we tell you, hey, the next step is to text us or to get with us because we want to be a part of you know, baptism with you. The first step of obedience is baptism. It's the outward expression of the inward change. We want to be able to put a Bible in your hand. We want to be able to kind of help you in your walk, help you to grow spiritually, help you to mature. And so there's certain things that we want to do. And then the other thing is we want to get you connected in a life group or something like that. So I believe one of the ways that we can do that is this, is you surround yourself with other mature believers holding on to the progress they've made. In other words, if I want to hold on to the progress I've made, if I want to get somewhere and I want to, I want to kind of stay where, you know, where I'm at, I've gained this ground, then we need to surround ourselves with other mature believers. That looks like a life group to me. That looks like a life group where people are together and they're, they're looking, they're studying the Word of God. They're talking about the Word of God. They're applying, finding the biblical truth to apply to their life. And they're sharing with one another maybe their struggles. Maybe they're sharing with one another their victories. And they're going, you know what, man? God is changing me. And this is what I have learned. And then others in there will learn from you as well. And here's the thing. You begin to grow together. And, and so we need to surround ourselves with other mature believers 
holding, you know, holding on to the progress they've made. So same thing. Join a church. Get involved with a church, a body of believers that, man, they're, they're holding on to it. And a life group is one of the most critical places. That, you know, and I was talking with someone in between the services, and I said, hey, listen, man, you know, I would rather see more people in life groups at Journey Church than sitting in these chairs, to be honest with you. Because they're, in, they're involved and connected in a, in a small, intimate setting where the gospel is going to be presented, where scripture is going to be read, where there's going to be a time of prayer, and you get to know each other in detail. You get to know how to pray for one another. And, and so I would just say that's one of the ways we hang on to it. Here's another one is we must establish good accountability. you got to establish good accountability. You know, and and that's, that goes beyond even a life group to me in some ways. You know, I think all of us need accountability. You know, I've, I've tried to get back into working out, uh, you know, in the mornings. And so I've got a guy that I meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We go to a 5 o'clock class. And, and so I get up and I go, you know, because, number one, I don't want him to one-up me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to have to hear it from him. And he gets up because he don't want to hear it from me because we both going to give it to each other. And, uh, but that accountability of knowing that, you know what, there's somebody waiting on me, it's so much easier to sleep in when there's nobody there, right? There's accountability. But I think that every man, every man in this room, needs men in his life that will hold him accountable to the reading of God's Word, to the memorizing of Scripture, to loving his wife if he's married, to guarding his heart if he's single. Every man needs men around him that love him and they're going to say, hey, listen, man, I want you to be the best you can be. And so they hold each other accountable. Every woman in this room needs other women around them that's going to hold them accountable to the reading of God's Word, to the memorizing of Scripture, and, and to loving their husband the way that they ought to. And, and then here's the other thing, is to becoming that woman that God wants you to be. And then here's the thing, sharing the gospel. All of those, men and the women, need accountability. Hey, are you sharing your faith? Hey, are you serving one another? Hey, you know, how's God, you know, doing in this area of your life? Or how are you doing in your, your attempt to try to maybe get your mouth cleaned up? I had someone tell me the other day, he said, man, I really struggle with a potty mouth. I said, God changes your heart and change your mouth. And so the thing is, is we need accountability. We need people around us that love us. And let me just say this. How we live, how we live reveals our hearts and our focus. So how you live, how I live reveals my heart, what I love, it reveals my focus. And so hopefully people can see in you that you love Jesus and that you love his word and that you love his church. And they can tell that you're focused on him and his kingdom. Hopefully, prayerfully. Because people are looking at us and they want to see how we, you know, what's really important to us. So they're watching us. They're looking to see, you know, how we live. So look at what Paul says. So Paul's addressing this. He says, your brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Now, let me just say this about what he's saying here. That may sound arrogant to you. Like, that's kind of, you know, uppity for him to say that. But Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, I'm pressing on. This is what I'm doing. He said, hey, listen, follow my lead. He's saying, I'm just telling you, it's worth it. He's not trying to be arrogant, but he's saying, listen, do what I do. Do what I've done and do what others are doing that follows the same teaching that Jesus gave us. So he's making it clear. Just do what we're doing. So he says, for I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. Let me pause there for a second. We talked about it earlier. Paul had been beaten. He'd been flogged. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been snake bit. He'd been imprisoned. I mean, he had a prison ministry second to none. And so here's the thing. It never talks about him weeping or tears. He was a man's man. He was a tough man. But here, what he's saying, hey, listen, this breaks my heart. He said, this grieves my spirit. 
He said, man, I can't, I can't take this, guys. And, and what he's saying, he's listening. It moves me to tears that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. He said, hey, listen, I just want you to understand. He's done all this stuff. He's been through all this. He said, man, this grieves me. It makes me want to weep. That there are some people who claim to be followers of Jesus that are living in such a way that they're enemies of the cross. He said, man, Jesus died that we might live. He, he has commissioned us. He has given this, us this message to take the gospel to the world. And here we are living in such a way that we're enemies of the cross. And he's saying, hey, listen, it, it moves me to tears. They're headed for destruction. Their God is in their appetite. They brag about shameful things. He's saying, hey, listen, these are people that ought to know better. Man, they know that it's sin. They know that's wrong. And they brag about it. They brag about shameful things. They act like they've accomplished something. Maybe they see it as a notch in their belt. But they're bragging about the things that they ought to be embarrassed of and sh- or shameful. There's no holiness there is what he's saying. There's no righteousness. And they think about only on the, only the li- this life here on earth. He said, man, everything's about here and now. It's all about the world. It's about fitting in. It's about being accepted. It's about me being a part of what, you know, what everybody else is trying to do rather than being a part of the kingdom of God. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies, and they are weak. We know that these things struggle. And change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. There's the power again. There's the power of life change. There's the power of eternal life. There's the power of sin, of, of, of power of, uh, over, over sin and death. He said, man, there's power that can set you free. And so what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, there's got to be a change. And he was, he, was, he was literally moved to tears on this. This is what he, what he was saying. They thought, they thought that salvation comes without repentance and conversion. See, so he goes back. They just thought, hey, man, I'll just put a little Jesus on here and I'm good. I keep doing whatever I'm doing. I keep living however I want to. I keep talking however I want to. I can do whatever. But I got Jesus. I'm saved. But yet the world looks at that and says, man, hypocrite. And we are hypocrites, right? We, we say one thing oftentimes, we do another. So the world has a right to say, man, I, you know, I, the church is full of hypocrites. They're exactly right. We're the chief of them. And so what Paul is saying, they thought that salvation comes without repentance and a conversion. But Jesus makes it very clear that we've got to be willing to turn to him. That we can't keep living the way we've been living. We've got to be broken over our sin. We've got to be broken over our, our transgressions. We've got to be broken over how we've been living, how we've been treating people, how we've been talking, how we've been thinking, how we've been living. I say, God, I don't want that anymore. I want this abundant life that you're talking about, Jesus. And so whenever we put our faith in Christ, and because of what he did on the cross, and because of his power to literally defeat death, grave, you know, sin, everything, we put it in him, and we don't do it in works. There's no works involved. We've already covered that. But here's the thing. There ought to be change when Jesus comes in. We can't keep living the way we've always lived. There ought to be repentance. There ought to be some conversion. You're converting. You're becoming more and more like Christ. You're being transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus each day. Our language ought to re- reflect that. Our lives ought to reflect that. And so therefore, we ought to become more and more like Christ. And so look at this next question. Do I live as an enemy of the cross or as an ambassador for Christ? Christ. 
Am I damaging the mission? Am I, am I living as an enemy of the cross? Am I putting tears in the eyes of Paul? Am I putting tears in the eyes of Jesus by how I live? Am I a bad example to the people around me that are looking for hope, that are looking for salvation, that are looking for Jesus, and here I am, I claim to be a follower of Him, but yet I live as an enemy of the cross, or do I live as an ambassador for Christ? Do I live in such a way that people go, man, I can see Jesus in Him. I can see Jesus in her. I, I can see that there is hope. I can see that there is power to change. I can see that there is power to overcome an addiction. I can see that there is power to live a new life. I can see there is power to forgive. So am I an ambassador for Christ? Am I being changed and transformed daily into the image of my Savior? Am I crucifying the flesh on a regular basis to where Jesus is glorified and it's not about me? And my focus is on Him, it's not on anything else. Look at what Paul says in Romans here. He's writing to the church at Rome. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? And let me just say, there are some who say, you know what? I can live however I want to because Jesus died for me. That's called an abuse of grace. I am moved by God's amazing grace. I am thankful for God's amazing grace. But He also called me to live differently. He also called us to be set apart, to be holy, to be righteous, and to be a light in a dark world. And there are some who literally abuse the grace. And that's what Paul is addressing. He says, man, do we just continue to sin so that, so that this wonderful grace may increase? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? In other words, if we've, if we've crucified this flesh, we have died to sin, how do we, why do we keep picking it up and putting it back on? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? Dying to self. Dying to the flesh. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. There's power again. Now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. There's the resurrection again, right? We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that the sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer in bondage to it. There are some who claim to be followers of Christ and say, you know what, Mike, I'm just an old sinner. Yes, you are. We all are. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. But there comes a point where we're set free from the bondage of sin. We're no longer slaves to it. We're literally set free and we're able to walk in the power and the authority of God's word. And we're able to walk in the power and authority of God's spirit living in us. And so whenever temptations come, we don't have to give in to it. We can say no. We can walk away. We can, we can choose to set up good parameters with good accountability and a good life group and people that love us and are praying for us. Or we can t- continue to embrace sin and act like, you know what, we don't have any, any ability to, to do anything different. And what you're doing is you're living a lie. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. When we live with Him, we live an abundant life. When we focus on Him, man, we learn from Him. If we seek Him, we will find Him. And so maybe today, maybe for you, there's a, there's a couple things that may, may need to take place in your own personal life. And, and I would just say in these next steps is, this is the same one from last week, I want to know Christ. Maybe for you it's not being religious. Remember Paul said that's garbage? 
man, I don't want to be religious. I, w- I want to know Christ. I want to know the, I want to know the man, the person of Jesus Christ. I want, I want to know the Father. I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to know everything about all three of them because they're all the same, yet three different forms. I want to know all that I can know about them. And like Paul, man, I want to know the power. I want to know the suffering. I want to know the power, the resurrection. I want to know it all. I want to know everything about them. And maybe there's some of you in here, like the two that made a decision last week. You go, man, I want to know him personally. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to know that when I breathe my last breath, you know what, that... I, I go from being in this body to being in the presence of God. And that I'm, I'm literally accepted into his, his heaven. And I want to know that. And the gospel tells us how you can know these things. You can know that you're saved. You don't have to wonder or hope. Go, man, boy, hope, I hope that when I breathe my last, I get in. You don't have to wonder. You can know that. So maybe that's you. you just, I mean, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And then here's, here's the second one. I, I need to change my focus. Maybe for some of us in the room, you know, say, Mike, I've, I've accepted Christ, but man, my focus is on the wrong things. My focus is on the things of the world. My focus is on acceptance. My focus is on, you know, my insecurities. My focus is on my fears. And I want to focus on Jesus and the, the power and the authority that's there. I want to focus on Him and whatever I need to sacrifice or die to. I want to focus on Him and I want to experience this, this resurrection power that literally changes my life. And therefore I become a light and, and, a, and a work in progress that people see that there's change taking place. I want to become that. I need to change my focus. And then the last one, maybe just need to join a life group. Maybe you need to get around some other believers, some mature believers. Quit hanging out with a bunch of immature people, immature believers. You get around somebody that's mature spiritually and say, you know what? Hey, man, I need to learn from you. I need you to hold me accountable. Some of you men need some men in your life that love you and will hold you accountable. Some of you ladies need some ladies in your life that will hold you accountable. But there may be somebody in here, man, you just need to know Jesus. I want to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe you've never put your faith in Christ, but today needs to be that day. And right now you say, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, will you forgive me? I am a sinner and I have messed up and, and I have blown it. And I, Jesus, I have been living in my past. So Jesus, will you forgive me? And his, his answer is yes, I will forgive you. He said, that's why I went to the cross. That's the reason I left heaven was to come here, was to purchase you. It was to pay for those sins. I know that you sinned. I know everything about you. Nobody else in this room may know it. None of the people around you may know it. But I'm just telling you, Jesus says, I know everything about you and I love you. I want a relationship with you. And maybe that's you. You're, you're here and you say, you know what? Mike, I want to receive Christ. And so just, just call out to him and say, Jesus, right there, you can do it in your heart of hearts. Say, Jesus, will you, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. I want to turn to you. That's repentance. That's part of the thing that Paul was talking about. There's a brokenness. God desires a broken and contrite spirit. God, I'm broken over my sin. Forgive me. And he says he'll wash you as white as snow. Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you fill me with your spirit? And will you save me? If that is your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, if you believe that, you know what, Mike, I just did that. Will you raise your hand just so I can... I can celebrate with you. All right, I see your hand back here. Anybody else? Anybody else in the room? Man, praise God, brother. Anybody else? Maybe there's somebody online. Maybe you've made that decision. Somebody else right up here. 
Maybe online, if you did that, text us. Let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to help you on next steps. We want to see you growing and maturing and developing and becoming that faithful follower of Christ. There's two people right here in the room that have put their faith in Christ. Man, that's what Jesus died for. Praise God for salvation. But you know what I think about this? For me, I got saved when I was 19, but man, I struggled for about six months to almost a year. I didn't know how to live as a believer. I wasn't growing. I wasn't maturing. And I had someone come into my life, and I recommitted my life. And let me tell you, my recommitment is whenever the gas hit the fire. Man, that's whenever I took off. And for maybe for you, today you just need to recommit and say, God, I'm out of focus. I've got the wrong focus. I want to focus on you. Jesus, will you help me to focus on you? I confess right now I've been focused on the wrong things. Forgive me. I want to repent of that, and I want to turn to you. That can be as life-changing as salvation. Let it today be the first day with a new focus. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for forgiving us. I thank you for providing the way of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you that you care about the details of our life and you care about our focus. Father, help us to walk out of here this week with a different focus. That our focus would be Jesus. Our focus would be on your word. Our focus would be on your kingdom. Our focus would be on the gospel being shared. Our focus would be on those who don't know you personally. And God, that we would be your servants. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for these two that have put their faith in you for salvation. God, I thank you that they're now part of the body of Christ. And Father, as, as your scripture says, all of heaven rejoices if one calls on your name. So God, we know there's a party in heaven right now. And I pray that we, as your church, would celebrate. We look forward to baptism, God, that when these will go public with that, we get to celebrate then as well. So, Father, thank you for meeting with us today. And thank you for caring about the details of our life. Use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for such an incredible message, Pastor Mike. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want you to know it's the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you'll text the phrase, my decision, to the number 94,000, we would love to help you as you began this journey with Christ. Now we're going to bring our tithes and offering to God. I want to encourage you to trust God completely in this area of your life. And we do that through our giving. Now we've made this super simple. You should see a link on the screen and in the comment section to the Journey Church Giving page. There you can return God's tithe and your offering. If you need help learning how to give online, we have several videos on our YouTube page. Your giving allows us to continue to make an increasing impact for the gospel. And so take that step right now and allow God to bless your obedience.